0: Future, future, future,
1: future. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co host, Justin Pennick. And Justin, it's 2021 Draft Week. We're going to go through some defensive playmakers. We're going through the top of the draft. We're not playing around with late-round guys. We're going top guys only. We got a little corona update. But Justin, before we get into all that, how how are you doing? How was your weekend? Uh, It was a a holiday weekend. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I went to the beach. I started reading a new book. I started reading No Medals for Trying by Jerry Eisenberg which I definitely recommend what I like about that book. And we're going to be talking about it on another podcast. I do called bleeding blue. But what I like about that book is it was published in 1990. So the legend of Parcells Sims, Lawrence Taylor, you know, I think it was there, you know, you, you win a super bowl, your legend, you know, you're starting to build your legacy after you win that super bowl. But since it was still published and written and made while they were still playing, there isn't like that. You automatically like hype up a player after they retire or you hype up a coach and their, and their legacy becomes that much larger. So that's what I'm liking about this book. So I just started to get into it. I recommend it. If you don't have it, it's a good one. This is where we're different.
1: Justin, do you spend your weekends writing or writing books, reading books, like not your Libra, like recent books. And Justin, I I uh, did also spend some time at the beach this weekend. But my brother brought a jet ski. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't really a great place to launch without us having to like drive a 30 miles or like 15 miles backwards. And so we launched it onto the beach. You know, we found like a vacant little lot, got it, dragged it down to the water, got it running, rode it a little bit. And then it broke down and we had to drag it back up the beach, which was <laughs> unbelievably difficult. But it was, it was a nice weekend. My dad worked his ass off. Uh, he owns a tree service, so this time of year they uh, they have like a camper that they take out to the beach. So spent the weekend there, you know, did some Father's Day stuff, had some family in town from New York, um, which kind of bothered me because like, why are you why are you down here? Shouldn't you be quarantining? But nonetheless, <laughs> it was a nice weekend at the beach, riding jet skis. It's what you and Leonard Williams have in common. Exactly, we're we're uh, just some thugs doing some thug stuff. That's what we. That's how my weekend went, Justin. <laughs>
0: Bobby, I hope we're not drafting any of these players that we look at today. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe one of these guys will fall, but I hope the Giants are good enough where we possibly don't have to pick any of these guys because we're we're looking at some pretty darn good football players today.
1: There's one guy I'm in full bloom love with. Uh, I think we will be in a like you think about it. We were going through 12 defensive players, Justin. Think about 12 offensive players. So we, hopefully we are getting one of these guys. Or maybe yeah, we'll go we'll to chase. I don't know. Maybe somebody falls to the second round. I don't know. But there's there's some interesting stuff in there. But nonetheless, good weekend. Um, the past couple, I'm, I know that we're getting ready. Like football is going to come back eventually, which we're going to talk about in a second. But I'm just trying to enjoy my time before sports come back. Trying to plan a little vacation. Maybe go down to the Keys. I don't know. Anyways, Justin, speaking of Corona, you
0: got an email today from the New York Giants. Yeah, me personally. No one else got an email from the New York Football Giants. No. Um, all regular season ticket holders got an email today, and, but they did personally put my email at the top. They said, Dear Justin, we hope that this email finds you and your family safe and healthy. Thank you, Giants. Thank you, John Mara. So basically, the, the couple updates that they gave, and I'll just read line by line here. So two things they're off, and this is with payment plans in terms of regular season t- being a regular season ticket holder. Why are you talking about that on talking giants? What I'm, what if I'm not a regular season ticket holder? Why is this important? It's important because it could give some context clues as to what the league has planned, maybe what will happen once football approaches if there's going to be fans, no fans, etc. So, if you want to keep your 2020 season tickets, we are extending the pay in full payment deadline to August 14th, 2020. You can either pay in full or before this date or you can enroll in a four-month payment plan option, which you would have payments for August 14th, September 14th, October 14th, and November 13th of 2020. They have never done anything like this before, where you're paying for your season tickets up until November. They've never done that, but they are extending it. Um, and then number two, this is the biggest thing. And this is the the biggest thing that really gives like the hint-hint indication that they... Probably will not have fans in the stands this year or partial or partial fans. I, I don't know, but I'm leaning towards not having fans. We are offering all season ticket members, the ability to take a year off from buying their season tickets. If you decide to do this, you will have no obligation to pay for your season tickets this year. We will take them back into our inventory and we will see you in 2021 giant stadium. LLC has confirmed that your PSL agreement will remain in effect and you will resume season ticket purchases in 2021. That's, that's important, Bobby, because as fans and especially with the new stadium opening up with the whole how, how the PSLs work, you can't just say, I want to take a year off. You have to get the tickets every single year to hold and continue the rights to your seats. You know, you have to pay the X amount of thousands of dollars to say, I want to own the rights to these seats. And then you have to pay every single year, you know, the amount of money that the tickets are. If you give those tickets away once. And you don't pay for one year, you have to buy the PSLs again if you want to become a regular season ticket holder, which sucks. The Giants suck. They're one of the only, they're like, I think they're one of, one of the only few franchises in the National Football League that actually do this. So, two very important updates. That's an interesting option of not allowing you to, to pay for one year, but also to just hold your tickets and you can keep those rights to those seats.
1: Yeah, I just don't know how. You know, we've kind of been assuming that there'll be fans at the stadium. We'll see what happens with the virus. Uh, you know, down here in Florida, it's starting to get rampant, and places like Texas and or places up there, it's starting to tone down. I don't know. It's like I get maybe like not having fans this season, but like when do eventually when do we just get fans back at regular capacity? Like, is there ever a pa-
0: I, I don't know. Like, who's gonna be the vaccine? First league That's to- the only thing. Vaccine when that actually starts coming out. Hopefully, in early you know, hopefully early next year when that vaccine starts rolling out.
1: Yeah, but I mean, is there even a guarantee they're going to have? I don't know. I feel like there's going to be a league that just, like, does it. And if there's a league to do it, it would be the NFL, although I do agree with you that I lean that they are probably not going to be fans. But, like, even, like, NASCAR, you know, today, they had some fans there. Not Mm -hmm. a lot, but they had some there. Obviously, they're not as under as much scrutiny as the NFL or NBA or baseball would be maybe baseball tries to do something i mean i know you know now texas it's it's the numbers are increasing but I, you know remember texas said like they were available for 50 percent capacity or 25 percent. i can't remember right so wondering maybe if they do that for baseball i don't know what's going to happen it's all you know we have no clue what's going to happen like we were extremely ignorant to it it's just i don't i don't know who's ever going to
0: break that seal the thing that the n f l has compared to a lot of these other sports uh now baseball had time and they've failed, they have time they have the time to wait and see how things play out, they have the time to see how the virus progresses you know as as a country, but also seeing how it progresses in actual facilities themselves and that's the thing that I've been really thinking about, you know looking at how baseball there's been a rise of cases in facilities like down in Florida. The NFL has the manpower and they have the capability to literally test every single person in that, like that enters a facility. I don't think that was actually happening in baseball when when guys were just voluntarily coming to work out and do whatever they were going to do in like the spring training facilities. I don't think they were testing every single day, but the NFL has the manpower and they have the capability to do that. You would think and you would hope, right? But the the main thing that's on my brain, and I know a lot of people have wanted us to do Corona talk. They've asked us in voicemails, and I think we've skirted around it because we're not experts. But the main thing that I'm worried about is if one person tests positive, when 150 plus people are present for camp, because you just have 90 football players, not counting trainers, coaches, et cetera, ball boys, 150 plus are present for camp. What are the repercussions after that? That's my main concern, because you can have testing, testing, testing. But if that one person gets it, what are the repercussions? I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know that.
1: Yeah, I, like I said, we don't know. I mean, you see all kinds of crazy. Like you saw Clemson get it after, you know, they did their march. You know, now it's like 25 players have it because we're hearing like, oh, outside, you really can't get it. But they are also probably inside together. I don't know. Um, I'm over it. We'll see what happens.
0: Are you still on the train of let's just give it to everybody? And then I once never we give it that. to everybody, we'll be ready to rock and roll. I Whoever, think you have. You've said that no, previously.
1: I've never said that. I said that I think people will get to a point where they're just they're just gonna risk it. I've never said give it to everybody.
0: Early on, your solution. I think it was with our like first interview with LPG. You like indicated something along those lines. I'm no, gonna have to was,
1: find it. No, it was that you but when you buy your tickets, it comes with a test. I
0: don't know, Bobby Skinner. I thought one of your early radical beliefs go was check we the should records. just. I'll, I'll go check the receipts. When you buy I'll your tickets,
1: you get you it, your ticket comes with a, a corona test.
0: No, I was I was talking about one of your non-serious recommendations.
1: I mean, none of my recommendations have been that serious. I've never given that <laughs> recommendation. I promise you. Find find it if I if you find it where I said I hope I I think everyone should get it,
0: then I'll I'll cut off. No, I'm not going to do any of that. I'll. I always say I'll cut off an insignificant body part. That's my go to.
1: I'll, I'll throw a, a baseball through my window on Periscope. How about oh,
0: that? Oh, yes. That's really fun.
1: All right. And if it's not, Justin, you have to. All right. Let's move on. Oh, no, not doing that. <laughs> we're going to do 2021 <laughs> draft week. Um, do we have anything else besides the fact that we're one month away from Marcus Golden signing with the Giants?
0: Oh, yeah. Fun. Um, Jamal Adams is going to be a Cowboy.
1: Where do you stand on Jamal Adams? Like if you obviously the Giants aren't going to trade him for him, but if we need if we had a need there, would you want to trade for a guy like Jamal Adams who's just like no. just loudly like like saying trade me?
0: No. This is where I actually wish that we had talking football and we were and we were going 100% of that because I would love this conversation where he has been a problem. We talked about on this podcast the difference between you know, having like DeAndre Baker being a distraction and the difference between Odell being a distraction. I would rather having Odell being the distraction that he was over Jamal Adams because Jamal Adams just, you you never know his current allegiance to the team. Now, granted, the Jets haven't exactly helped with that. And the Jets' track record of signing all-pro players in their mid-thirties, instead of extending all-pro players going towards their second contract, the Jets haven't helped with that, and they're a mess themselves. But Jamal Adams has been a huge distraction throughout all, even when they were talking about trading him last year, just running his mouth. And even now, this year, he's not going anywhere, and he kind of bugs me.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade him Falls the Jets. I don't know why more teams don't pull that card. Ben. like, you, you don't know what? No, like when Kyrie Irving won out of Cleveland. I would have been like, no, like we got one more run at this with LeBron <laughs> before he leaves. We're not trading you. Sorry, dude. Like, we're sorry. We're not worrying about rebuilding. We're not trading you, Kyrie. So, deal with it. You're going to be a pain, in the, a pain in the ass this year. But you know what? It gives us a better chance at a championship. So we're not trading you. Sorry, Kyrie. I don't know why more teams just don't like show their power, uh, flex their power on them, saying, saying no. Sorry, like you're under contract. We're not trading you. But uh, that being said. Um, he's supposedly he's, someone said that the video was staged.
0: That's what I was about to ask you. Was that video a publicity stunt? That's exactly what I was going to ask you. I don't know. We'll see.
1: All right. Anything else before we move on?
0: No, let's, uh, let's rock and roll with 2021. All right. Take a quick break and then we'll jump into it. Come on. Pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play
1: fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, let's get into some 2021 draft profiles. This is kind of fun. It also kind of got us back in the groove of like actually watching film. We're probably been a little lazy the past couple of weeks. So it's good to get into it. And there's some guys, Justin, that I wanted to look at already. And there's one guy who I just felt like in full bloom love. Like I hope we're in a position to end up getting this guy somehow. I don't know how his senior, his, his senior year will go. But nonetheless... It's fun to get back into it. And, Justin, since we drafted Dave Gettleman, our first pick has been running back, quarterback, and offensive tackle. Now, we did get Dexter Lawrence and DeAndre Baker in the first round, so it's hard to be like, oh, he he ignores the defense. But we haven't went with a defense with our first pick, and I think a lot of people would assume that that would be the case. And I think that's why we're going to go defense first, Justin.
0: Yeah, it all depends on what happens with our lovely wide receivers that we have this year, and if they can all stay healthy. Um, but yeah, or if you would think defense, or if we sign Allen Robinson, but yeah, you would think that defense would be the place to go in 2021's draft.
1: And Justin, the biggest hole on this team might be pass rusher, and that's where I'm going to start coming out of the U University of Miami, six foot six. 251 pounds, Justin. Guy's cookie cutter. Now, these aren't combine measurements, so this is perfect for Justin, who always gives an ex- a guy an extra inch. Ha! Gregory Russo out of the University of Miami. Justin, last year in 13 games, he had 54 tackles, 19 and a half tackles for a loss, two forced f- fumbles, and was second in the nation to only chase young in sacks with 15 and a half sacks at the University of Miami. He's an interesting player because... Justin, he's a defensive end. He plays on the edge. But a lot of his sacks came when he was lined up on, like, between the guard and tackle, even some at nose tackle. And what he would do is he would loop around and use his speed and get sacks like that. I mean, you look at the Florida State game, he had four sacks. And I think none of them were from the defensive end spot. Not to say that he didn't dominate from the defensive end spot because he did. But just thought that was a little interesting and and wonder if that would be a fit with uh, our team that is stacked with interior defensive linemen. But that also means that he can be a 3-4 defensive end. He can be a 3-4 outside linebacker. He can be a 4-3 defensive end. So it doesn't matter what kind of system you're running. You can plug him in there. Uh, He needs to use his hands a little better on the offensive tackle. He relies too much on his speed. But it was his first year playing because his his freshman year he was injured. I mean, he's got good speed. I mean, just great get off paired with length. Justin, this guy, he's got stuff to work on. But he's got all the tools to be an elite pass rusher slash run stopper. And it was his first year last year. Like, And he was second in the nation to only Chase Young with 15 and a half sacks. I mean, he got a sack in almost every single game. Had, you know, the big game against Florida State where he had four. He was a beast. And he was a lot of fun to watch. And especially the way they used him where they moved him around a lot.
0: Yeah, Miami is going to have one of the best D-lines and front sevens in the, in the entire country. And we'll talk about... Maybe because I know you're kind of a Miami fan. You kind of maybe loosely follow that team a little bit. So we'll talk about how excited you are after we talk about your second guy who's going to be also on that front seven. But, yeah, Bobby, I saw, like, there there were times – off-ball linebacker one play, making tackles on running backs going out for screens, and then the next he's lining up as a defensive end, you know, kind of like an edge rusher, and then the next he's a freaking nose tackle. <laughs> it's, I, I, had, I had to keep on rewinding, you know, if there are certain highlight tapes that aren't circling where he is on the field, I had to keep on rewinding to see where he was and where he was making the play. I had this, like, this thought, and I wrote down this note, he's just a flat-out problem where he goes. He is a problem for opposing offenses.
1: Yeah, and like the only thing that really like makes me be like, ooh, maybe not, is the fact that he had such success on the inside, and we have guys on the inside already. But besides that, like he's a beast. I think he is like the top-rated defensive lineman from from most people going into the year. Although there's some good guys on on, on the line, but I, I you know, listen. I got I always have you know a sweet tooth for Miami guys. Um, but he's fun. He's got the size. He's got everything you need to be an elite defensive
0: end. Just. You said he's 266 uh, now loosely again cuz we're going off of a 6 foot uh, 6 251 from Pro Football Reference or college oh, football. Geez. Reference. 251 and you're lining up at nose tackle. That's insane. And he's better like you said he was almost better at nose tackle than he was lining up on defensive well, end. I know he would He use was his also speed, but that's looping insane. around
1: on stunts. It wasn't like he was yeah. just going head up with the centers. And the biggest thing he just needs to use his hands better because when he bull rushed and and would like do the bull and pull that would work, but a lot of times he would just like not be using his hands and he would get stalemated. Uh, but when he uses, I mean, that's like hand, hand, hand usage is like one of the things that you like work tirelessly at, and I, I I assume that he's gonna work at it and get better at it.
0: All right, my first guy that I'm looking at is Micah Parsons, Penn State linebacker. So he is 6'3", 245 pounds. In 2019, he had a total of 109 tackles. 52 solo, 14 tackles for loss, five sacks, five passes deflected, no interceptions in his two years at Penn State, but I will get into the context of maybe why he has zero interceptions, and he also forced four fumbles in 2019 as well. Uh, Micah Parsons has the potential to be the first player off the board who isn't a quarterback in this year's draft. That's how good he is. Parsons is patient. He's also explosive. But what makes him different from a guy like Isaiah Simmons is Parsons is a pure interior linebacker on a pro style defense at Penn State. He's not a Swiss Army knife. He's just a damn good football player damn good linebacker and he's a field general his football IQ and quickness they go hand in hand his eyes are always in the backfield and he's extremely efficient when shedding blockers he rarely allows the offense to get their hands on him was recruited as a defensive end out of high school and didn't make the switch to linebacker until his time at Penn State so sure Parsons isn't like Simmons where he can line up as a cornerback, a safety, but Parsons' tape and his track record shows that he can rush the passer at an elite level with being elite at that interior linebacker spot. The crazy thing about looking at Parsons' production, he was only a full-time starter in 2019. Despite having those zero interceptions this year, he dropped two interceptions. And after struggling a bit in coverage in 2018, he made that part of his game more of a strength. So the thing that really makes you attracted to Parsons, Bobby, is that he's still learning the position. He is a junior this year, and it wouldn't surprise me if he had a better season this year compared to his 2019 season.
1: I think the thing that stands out with Parsons is that like he doesn't look like he's like unbelievably fast or like a huge hitter, but it just seems like he is he diagnoses plays immediately and he's in the right spot. And just based off of that, he beats guys because he knows where, when, and where to be. Right. Um, like you said, he's got like actual pass rush moves. Um, they would play him super close to the line of scrimmage too, which was interesting from Penn State. You know, you didn't get to see a ton of coverage stuff from him. But yeah, he just seems like a, a a really high IQ player who knows where to be at all times.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I really do think the potential for him because the criticism that I had of Isaiah Simmons, I know you were you were a little bit less to jump on this critique of Isaiah Simmons, was that hey, for me, he's not a pure interior linebacker, so. I think in Arizona, what they're going to plan to use him as? They, I think, one of those assistant coaches. They came out and said, "We're going to use him as an interior linebacker." We may see a little bit of a of a struggle just transitioning to that one spot for Parsons. That jump to the league, that I don't think that jump is going to be that extreme because he is that field general. He's that pure interior linebacker.
1: For sure, yeah, Michael Parsons. A lot of people love him. I know Giants fans can have sometimes a bias towards Penn State guys, but this guy's legit, and he would. He would be a fun guy to be in position to get. Next on my list, I had to do it to him, Justin. I had to do it to him. I had to go hashtag Duke Gang. I had to get one of Coach Cut's guys on the defensive side this time, a guy who used to practice against our boy, young Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. He's a 6'3", 225-pound pass rusher from Duke Gang, Chris Rumpf. Justin in 12 games last year, he had 47 tackles, 13 and a half tackles for a loss, six and a half sacks. Justin, what stands out on the tape for Chris Rumpf from Duke gang. He's got unbelievable get off with when I, I have my bullet points with uh, Chris Rumpf, Justin, and here's how they started off. Extremely great. 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 He's got extremely great get off. He gets off the ball so quick. And I think that's, I think that is the theme for a lot of these guys. Like, you know, the pass rushers you're looking at, you know, uh, the uh, Quincy Roche, who I'm looking at, is just unbelievable get off, And that's that's what we love, Justin, is speed off the ball. And he's got that. He's got really good hands. He has great hand fight with offensive tackles, and even when he goes inside. And he's got great agility moving lateral across the line of scrimmage. He's just an athlete, Justin. Now, he's not like a huge dude. You know, 6'3", 225, so he's probably going to end up being like a stand-up pass rusher. Um, maybe like a, a Marcus Golden-type player, but hopefully, hopefully better on a duke defense where there's not a lot of players where they can game plan for a guy like chris Rumph, he was their best playmaker justin and you know some people like he's a preseason all-american some people think he's the best pass rusher in the country uh, i really like chris Rumph out of duke gang and for the three main reasons i said great get off great hands and great agility moving laterally across the line of scrimmage uh, those are the keys to success in the nfl is speed you know everyone's going to be strong is how fast can you be
0: right yeah, I've down. I like his pursuit in the run game. Good pursuit could be a stand-up guy and put his hand in the dirt. Um, loves to make plays in the backfield in the run game. And then what I love about Rumpf is that he has good bend coming off of, of off of the edge as well. Like that bend, it really shows that athleticism. Um, and when you have that get off, it only makes that bend that much more effective and that much better.
1: You said his pursuit in the run game. That's another thing that stands out is when he's on the backside of a play. I mean, there's so especially against Georgia Tech, but there are so many times. Where he would just come off the backside of the play and make a tackle for a loss. Yep. Where it's like he was just like, you know, his real responsibility was contained. But he crashed down and was able to make a play um, with they're running an option or something. So, I, I like that out
0: of Chris Rumpf. Out of Duke Gang. Duke Gang. We got to love. It. We got to represent Duke. Got to represent our Florida schools. We got to represent Duke. We checked We checked the boxes once we, once we got those schools represented. Miami,
1: Florida schools, Duke. Penn State, Syracuse—that's who we rep on this pot—and a little bit of Rutgers. <laughs> Rutgers for our undrafted
0: free agents. Yeah, that's when, that's when you're getting those Rutgers guys.
1: And Georgia, I guess we've become a Georgia uh, school too now.
0: We'll, yes, we'll put
1: together Steve. a few colleges. Ole Miss, you know, well, we got we got to keep Ole Miss uh, easy. Mm-hmm. Which one oh, are we talking missed about? That Evan Ingram or Eli Manning? And Eli Manning's getting a number ten retire, which will be cool. Um, and they're planning to do it at the stadium,
0: so maybe there will be uh, fans at college football. Mm. If not, it'll be the most streamed jersey retiring almost ever. Next on my list, I have Dylan Moses from Alabama. He's a linebacker, 6'3", 235 pounds. He missed the 2019 season. We will get to why he missed. But in 2018, in 15 games, he had a total of 86 tackles, 45 solo, 10 tackles for loss, 3.5 sacks, 1 pass deflected, 1 forced fumble Dylan Moses and after missing the 2019 season with the torn ligament in his knee Moses had a choice to declare for the NFL draft after a stellar 2018 season have his stock fall a bit because of his injury but Moses chose to stay in school and come back for his redshirt junior season in 2018 he was a Buckus Award finalist and led led the Alabama defense like I said with 86 total tackles. The angles he took toward the ball carrier and his willingness to go to the ball was impressive to watch as both the freshman and a sophomore. Without Moses, Alabama's defense took a step back in 2019. Two true freshmen were forced into starting roles at inside linebacker and the tide gave up a total of ninety four points. And two total losses to LSU and Auburn. It was automatically clear that Bama's defense severely missed Moses' presence. Some analysts, like Mel Kuyper, consider Moses to be the number one rated interior linebacker of the draft class. So, and really, in my opinion, at this point, it's a coin flip between Parsons and Moses. It just stinks that he really did lose his junior season to that severe knee injury. In terms of his actual play, he rarely misses a tackle, only four missed tackles in twenty twenty eighteen. 2018. He is a bit raw in coverage, but you think that development will come now that he has a full year of those mental reps under his belt, and he's also two years older. He was able to play both inside and outside linebacker at Alabama and is another linebacker that can flow sideline to sideline and can fit what you want an athlete to look like on the back end of your defense, Bobby.
1: Yeah, the thing you mentioned was tackling ability. I mean, he, he smacks dudes. He, he just drops dudes. I, I don't really love him a ton. In coverage, I def I like you know there's a I guess there's a, a, a debate between him and Michael Parsons. For me, I have Michael Parsons clearly ahead of him. Not even a knock yeah. on Moses; just more pro Parsons. And at the same time, you know, this twenty it's 2020. We're doing a 2021 draft class. We obviously aren't doing the prep that we would do if it was, you know, March March 2021. But nonetheless, I, I do like Parsons uh, a good amount more. Uh, Moses does a lot of good things, but he just. For me, and I I don't want to knock him because, like I said, we haven't watched a ton. There's just not a ton of flash for me. Like, he has big hits and stuff, but a lot of times they're against smaller schools. I like Moses, but I I will say he's just – watching him, I didn't, like, jump for joy out of excitement watching him like I did some other guys, and especially the next guy on my list.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things that really stuck out to me is – You know, not just looking at what Moses did when he was on the field, but how Alabama did when he was off the field and when he was actually missing this year. And having those two horrible defensive games, which is very un-Alabama-like in against LSU, against Auburn, and struggling at certain points if— that Alabama defense is heightened with his presence and he can bring, you know, a better play than he brought in 2018. And that defense can improve as a whole. That's going to be a big sign to me. You know, these interior linebackers, like I said, field general, they're the captains of these defenses. They're the play callers of this defense. So if he can bring that presence, uh, that's definitely going to boost a lot. And like I said, you know, those, hopefully those mental reps, I know he's wrong coverage, but hopefully those mental reps helped him. Um, and now that he's two years older.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's one of those guys where it'll be interesting to see how he comes back from that injury. All right, Justin, next on my list. And I talked about a guy I fell in full bloom love with, and I am. And I even had a UNC fan send me some stuff after I posted about it. I just gave it away. He's from UNC. He's an inside linebacker. Justin, he's 6'3", 230 pounds. Although, on film, he looks like he might be 6'1". We'll see at the combine. But for now, we're going to go 6'3", 230 pounds out of the University of North Carolina, Tar Heel Nation. He played next to our guy, Dominique Ross, Chaz Surratt. Surratt, because this man plays like a quick old rat out there. In 13 games nah. played, Justin, he had 115 tackles, 15 tackles for a loss, six and a half sacks and an interception. You know how many tackles he had before this year, though, Justin? None. You want to know why? You want to know why? <sighs> Because my man was the quarterback for UNC. He played quarterback. As a freshman quarterback at UNC, he completed 59% of his passes, a little over 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns, and three interceptions. You would think a guy that played quarterback wouldn't transition to inside linebacker like he did, but he did. The kid is so explosive. He plays, with, like, he plays faster than any guy I've looked at. He plays so, so, so fast. He's explosive, and he is unbelievably aggressive to the ball. And, Justin, you know I always love guys who will err on the side of aggressiveness over trying to make the smart play every play. Be aggressive. If you're going to mess up, mess up at 110 miles per hour, and that's what Chassaratt does. He surpri- has surprisingly good instincts and in coverage um, with ability to recover. There was a play against uh, South Carolina where Brian Edwards – had a, uh, a sluggo, which is a slant turn into a go route, and he like got him, and then he was able to catch up to him. Part of that was the South Carolina QB not being good, but nonetheless, he did recover. He's got good pass rush skills. He's, got, now he's not Isaiah Simmons, but remember one of the things we said about Isaiah Simmons is that he would like get past offensive linemen without even having to use him just by flat-out juking guys, and that's what Chas Surratt would do, Justin. The only red flag is he needs to be a better tackler. He misses tackles. There'll be plays where you think he's going to blow a dude up, and he ends up like like grabbing him, and the guy breaks the tackle and makes a play. But I mean, you got to expect a guy who's played quarterback his entire life to get better at that. Chassarat, I really hope if the Giants draft him, I think I might get an Andrew Thomas reaction out of me yeah, I'm just celebrating. Obviously, <laughs> you know we need this. We need to see this year out of him, obviously, and get better. But. He was so much fun to watch, and you know I always have a soft spot for guys who switch positions. But I don't think I've ever seen a guy switch from quarterback to linebacker, and I got excited about it like I am for Rat. You had
0: a fu- you had a funny line in there, and I think you said it. It's not it's not typically normal for a guy to switch from quarterback to interior linebacker, and that made me laugh. So that was a that was a funny line there, but. While watching Dominique Ross, and I watched a lot of Dominique Ross, uh, partially because he's my favorite undrafted free agent, and partially because I had to put a YouTube video together that did pretty well. So while watching Dominique Ross, I was asking myself, how come this number 21 kid isn't like hyped up? Because he was the, the dude was everywhere. He was the best football player on the field. He was much better than Dominique Ross. I'm happy that he's getting the love he deserves because I was thinking to myself, how come this guy isn't on our team? <laughs> and Dominique Ross is. But hopefully Chaz Surratt uh we'll we'll see a, we'll see you in 2021, kid. But Bobby, you're right. All your all your evaluations were correct. He was legitimately the best player on the field for University of North Carolina at all times.
1: Justin, I fell in love with Andrew Thomas like literally this time last year. Last year I remember watching Andrew Thomas film at the beach, the same place I was at this past weekend. Oh. And I'm getting flashbacks. I think I'm I think I'm in legit love with Chaz Surratt. I'm gonna be watching him. Like a hawk this season. I mean, I'm getting a little nostalgic just thinking about watching Andrew Thomas last year at the beach. And just, I, you know, the game. And I know this is getting a little off topic, but I watched the SEC championship of Andrew Thomas versus Georgia, and I was just like, this guy's the best player on the field. Like, and there was like a guy, the guy who was going up against was drafted in like the fifth round by the Steelers, and it's like he just like he punked him all game. Andrew Thomas was the best player on the field in that Alabama versus Georgia uh, matchup last year. And uh, that's where I fell in love with him. But yeah, Chaz he's my guy. Uh, I will sing to, I will sing from the rooftops of how great Chaz is. And you know, he's got to be high IQ because since he moved from QB,
0: you know what they say, Bobby, what comes around goes around. So, Hey, been a good profit so far. As terms of projecting Daniel Jones and projecting uh, Andrew Thomas, so I, I I believe in you. I believe in you. I'll, I'll write down. I'll write this down as a receipt. I'll make a note that episode one sixty seven. You said this, so I'll, I'll make a note. I'll make a note. Next guy on my list. I'm going back to Alabama. Patrick Sertain the second. I thought it was Patrick Sertain Jr. It's Patrick Sertain the second. Six Is two same three thing? two. Is it? That's a good question. Yeah, the second
1: is the same as Junior. Why is Jesse Smollett trending? Who? I just saw that Jesse Smollett was was trending. Who was that? It's
0: the guy who... Never mind. Move along. We'll talk about it after the show. Talking Giants after dark. Patrick Sertain, the second slash junior. And breaking news, Justin Penick is an idiot and just found out that there is no difference between the second and junior. I'm the best. So 6'2", 203 pounds in 2019... He started in 12 games, 32 solo tackles, 42 total, one sack, two interceptions, three forced fumbles, eight passes deflected. He had seven passes deflected the year before. If the name Sertain sounds familiar, that's because it is. Patrick Sertain was an 11-year pro. Patrick Sertain Sr. was an 11-year pro who played cornerback for the Dolphins and the Chiefs. But for Patrick Sertain Jr., Patrick Sertain Second, can you say physicality? He has the tendency to bully wide receivers at the line of scrimmage, and his ball skills playing man coverage are awesome and fun to watch. 6'2", 203 pounds is a nice size for an outside cornerback. You can feel confident putting this dude on a big physical X receiver. Seeing how he can contort and twist his body to make a play on the ball in the air is very impressive. I guess the scouting term I like when describing players like Sertain is sticky. He sticks to wide receivers. However, he makes some of his plays down the sideline while giving the illusion that the quarterback has just enough room to fit a ball in. But in the last second, Sertain closes that gap. Even though he only has three career interceptions in 27 games, his 15 total pass deflections speaks for themselves. Combine those pass deflections with the stat that he allowed less than 700 yards and approximately 1,000 coverage snaps, Certain is the real deal, playing the toughest conference in college football. Certain also just plays the game nasty, Bobby, meaning he looks he's looking to make tackles with the shoulder pad. He's wrapping up. He's ripping the ball out of your hands ferociously, whether you're a runner or your wide receiver going up for a catch. He's not hesitant. He's not playing a cake. He forced three fumbles in 2019, and that was with grit and effort during those gang tackles. Kind of reminds you of Charles Tillman in that regard, with how he would be able to force fumbles in the early 2010s. Overall, there are a lot of good cornerbacks in this draft, but because of how Patrick Sertain plays the game, he caught my eye, and I'm excited to see what he can do this year.
1: Yeah, and I I, I feel like I'm putting this in like a simplistic way, but you know, you know who his father is is, is you know an NFL All Pro. And you could just tell that he's been trained to play this position by by his father. Like you said, he does everything the right way, whether it's forcing fumbles, whether it's moving his body in the air, getting his head around, uh, you know, being like you know how to mirror guys. So you could just tell that he's been coached up the right way by his dad, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, went to Alabama to be under Saban. He uh is, is he the number one corner? Because I, I went and watched, you know, a guy who I'll get to, and I, I like Patrick Surtain more. Like is is he regarded as the number one corner?
0: I don't, he's not unanimously the number one corner. Like Okuda was the number one corner. I like the way that he plays, and that's why I picked him. Because of his physicality, because he's a bully at the line of scrimmage. I like the way that Sertain plays, especially thinking about, you know, we want Patrick Graham to be this defensive coordinator for a long time. This is a guy that would fit perfectly with Patrick Graham. Man coverage, he's sticky, like I said. Good ball skills. This is a guy that you would want on the Giants.
1: We're going to have 18 corners on the team next year, and honestly... I'm about it. Make make a strength. That's, strength. A That's my like my new uh, my new term. All right, next guy. Now it's another Miami guy, but he's not really. And let me explain. He's six foot four, two hundred thirty five pounds. He's a linebacker slash edge. He's played his career at Temple, Justin, but he's transferring to Miami as a grad transfer. Last year at Temple, he played 12 games, 49 tackles, 19 tackles for a loss, and 13 sacks. His name is Quincy Roche, and I didn't mean to say that at the end. I just forgot to say it to start off. Quincy Roche. So Miami is going to have, like, the best pass rushing uh, duo in college football next year. I mean, you know, combined for, you know, 28 and a half sacks last year. Uh, He's rejoining Manny Diaz, who was the Temple coach for 18 days before – uh, Rick was fired from uh, or resigned uh, from Miami, and then Manny Diaz went back to Miami to take the head coaching job. So hey, maybe a little, uh, a little, little, uh, you know, continuity there. Not really. They're also opening versus Temple, so that's going to be interesting. Miami versus oh. Temple. Uh, Miami actually got one of their head coaches before from Temple, Al Golden. Those are some rough years. Although I did believe, I did, I did say we're Golden um, a few too many times when we got Al Golden as the head coach, Justin. He's a good speed rusher, especially for his frame. Uh, He's good at using his hands and he like, he gets skinny. He's another one of those guys who can win a pass rush without having to like even touch a guy. Like he just knows how to like, you know, like, you know, do like a little dance, swipe his hands, turn to the side and just get past the guy. He's definitely intriguing. It'll be interesting to see how he goes, does going up against like more like better talent consistently, but, uh, instead of going against the guys that Temple played, like USF and stuff. But he has some good plays. He's good against the run. Um, you see that with the 19 tackles for a loss. Quincy Rochet. it's going to be interesting to see uh, him and uh, and Russo just go back and forth to see who can get the most sacks this year. Uh, I'm, I, I will say, I'm not like head over heels for Roche, but he's definitely an interesting guy. And if we're looking for a pass rusher in the second round, maybe, maybe he's a guy who's there.
0: When you said, ba da I knew exactly what you were talking about. Exactly. I know,
1: I know you did, but when I said it, I was like, "Oh, no one knows exactly what da means." So I, that's why it's, I, I, I repeated that it's like more of a juke. But you do yeah. like the 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 like the hand pumping with the foot pattern, da,
0: just think mm-hmm. like ladder ladder mm-hmm. drills. You, you talked about getting skinny, and one of the things that I saw is he has a nice, tight swim move. There's a guy on my list who has a, a swim move that he's actually swimming like he's in an actual pool, and that's I think, I think football coaches tell you not to do that, but it's kind of fun to watch because you're actually swimming. But he has a nice, tight swim move. Um, massive human being coming off the edge. I would like to see him get a little bit faster, a little bit quicker. Um, but, Bob, you have to be very excited to see this, this, these two guys in Miami just go at it this year.
1: Yeah, hopefully we get some college football to watch it because I I I legit am excited to see them in that opener against Temple. Um so ho- hopefully we get it.
0: Hopefully we get it. All right. My next player is Xavier Thomas Clemson, defensive end slash edge rusher. He is 6'2, 265 pounds in 20. Eh? We'll do it. We'll just do 2019. In 2019, played 12 games, 27 total tackles, 10 solo, 8 tackles for loss, a sack and a half, 2 passes deflected, 1 fumble recovery, no forced fumbles. Justin, why in the world are you even looking at this guy when he has terrible stats? Well, I'll tell you why. But stop me if you've heard this before from Clemson's defense. I have to... (coughs) Stop me if you've heard this before from Clemson's defense. The dude is just an insane athlete. Sure. Xavier Thomas does not have the stats you want to see. He's not going to stuff the box score with a bunch of tackles and sacks. But if we based draft position solely on stats and production, Curtis Weaver would have been picked right after chase young this year. Xavier Thomas has incredible bend and athleticism. I'm willing to bet on him in 2020 for him to hit his ceiling compared to a guy who has already shown you all the tools in his toolbox. Now, this can be a blessing in disguise and a curse sometimes, but Thomas plays the game a million miles an hour. A guy like Parsons is much more patient before he attacks, but Thomas holds nothing back. On read options, he makes his choice. Am I going after the quarterback or am I going after the running back? And when he makes the play, it looks great. When he doesn't make the play, well, it's a little embarrassing. But between his speed and get off, he is able to get tackles out wide. And when he is able to utilize his bend, he can get around linemen without really even making contact with them. I'm willing to bet on the potential and the upside of Thomas in 2020 to prove he can be more productive also because you can never be wrong with upside. There's a good chance that Clemson's defense looks a lot more different this year with Isaiah Simmons departing. So guys like Thomas will actually get more pass rushing opportunities instead of a bunch of secondary players being on the field. So he got those opportunities in 2018. He was more productive that year. Xavier Thomas Hopefully he can uh, have a better year stat-wise, and he can boost his draft stock because he's a pretty athletic player. He's got good bend. Uh, excited to see what he can do,
1: Justin. When I watch watch Xavier Thomas, there's some plays, especially on the highlight tape, that just makes your jaw drop. And then you look at the stats, and you're like, "That, that, like, am I looking at the ro- the wrong stat page?" Because it's like you said, it's unbelievable how bad his stats are. Because he's so like, I think he has the best get off out of any of these guys. Like out of Russo out of Roche, out of out of Rump. I think he has a better get-off than any of them. And the stats just don't show it. I know they ran that 3-3-5, which isn't great for a defensive end because, you know, you're doing a lot of three-man rushes or if they're four, they're coming from different types of places and you're able to be, like, zoned in on as a defensive end. But it just doesn't make sense how bad his stats are because he is so fast off the line of scrimmage. Like, I, I really do. I think he has the best get-off out of all four of the defensive ends that we looked at.
0: Yeah, his 2018 production was a little bit better. I mean, he had three and a half sacks, eight and a half tackles for loss. He had more tackles in general, and he also played in two more games. Um, Don't know if he was getting less reps because he was a year younger. I mean, that's just how usually college works, but who knows 2020 they may be shaping the defense around they may be shaping the personnel guys like tanner muse and Isaiah simmons they were drafted and they're off the team so hopefully he can get more pass rushing opportunities where where he's actually rushing off the edge instead of going up the a gap as a stand-up as like a stand-up linebacker hopefully you know he's able to get on the edge and actually do what he's supposed to do right
1: all right next on my list Stop me if you've ever heard this one before. Ohio State <laughs> cornerback, six foot one, 194 pounds, Sean Wade. He's got four career interceptions in two seasons. He's a true nickel cornerback, Justin. He's not going to get juked at the line of scrimmage in man. like And like you said with Sertain, that really fits what Patrick Graham is trying to do, um, where that man coverage, a lot of like bump and run at the line of scrimmage. And he does a good job of that. Uh, he's a good blitzer, so he can do that. He's got great mirror skills. But what flashes the most and obviously this isn't what you want flashing the most for corners but it is fun to watch this dude hits like ray lewis like I'm, mm-hmm. you know i'm exaggerating a little bit but i mean I, when i post the clip of him it's just unbelievable it's a bow 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 sometimes in the same game just just audibly loud claps and like he got uh ejected from the game against in the, in the semifinals against clemson for his hit on trevor lawrence which was a bad call because they called targeting wasn't targeting. He just laid homeboy out clean. I mean, my man can hit for a nickel corner and you know, we may need a nickel corner next year. I have no clue, but Sean Wade, he's a, he's a good player. I'll be interested to
0: see um, him this year with Okuda gone
1: and the other guy that the Rangers drafted yeah. in the first round.
0: Yeah. He's played both slot and outside, but 2020, because those two outside guys left Bobby, I think he's going to be the outside guy. And, I, what I put down on my notes, he's, he's not just a guy who's an ankle diver. You see a lot of cornerbacks, they're going after ankles because they don't have the physicality or they don't have the guts, they don't have the cojones to go after these big tight ends and actually wrap them up and tackle them with their shoulders, and they don't understand leverage. So they're just diving for ankles out here. But Sean Wade, main man, homeboy, I'm using your terms here, homeboy doesn't <laughs> hold back. <laughs> homeboy, hey, homeboy likes to hit. So uh, mine,
1: yeah, His name is Homie, and he don't play.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Sean Wade was really fun to watch, uh, especially watching him take on tight ends. It's not even like he's just he's delivering big hits on running backs and wide receivers. He's delivering these big hits on huge tight ends, tight ends that are 240, 250 pounds. It's pretty fun to watch. We're rocking and rolling. Um, we are on. Next, I have Javon Holland safety 6'1, 196 pounds from Oregon the Oregon Ducks in 2019 in 14 games he had 40 solo tackles 66 total four and a half tackles for loss four interceptions four passes deflected one touchdown and even in 2018 he had five interceptions as well listen to this in 2018 i want to say this uh for very very quickly five interceptions he totaled 8 yards in all of those receptions that he like returned back he totaled 8 yards for an average of 1.6 yards per interception return isn't that crazy gotta love it maybe they're like <laughs> one that was like it. minus 20
1: yards he was trying to make a play at reach style or something
0: yeah maybe mm, that's that's a good thought good thought good good thinking with your brain there Bobby probably Skinner. not though if i he doubt had- he ran back 20 <laughs> yards If you had to design a potential NFL safety in a lab, the traits and the game Holland plays is what you most likely want to get out of that experiment. He is a natural playmaker. As I already read in his stats, he's got the perfect size you want to see out of a safety. He has the speed and the athleticism to keep up with guys down the field and down the sideline. But, also has the physicality to make some nice open field tackles. He wraps up, uses his shoulder, and isn't just an ankle diver like I said previously. He uses his size to his advantage when making plays in the open field. Holland also serves as the team's kick and punt returner, so that really tells me that just because the guy's over six foot doesn't mean that he can't run back there, that he's got the speed. You know, sometimes safeties, you you don't like that. They don't have the open field speed. You don't like that they can't run sideline to sideline. That's not the case with Holland here. This is a guy who I'm excited to see take another leap in 2020. He has already proven he can be a versatile playmaker and a first-round prospect. But how far can Holland push himself up draft boards? The sky is the limit for him.
1: Right on. All right, last on my list is also a safety from one one of our schools, Justin, one of the New York Giants schools, and that's Syracuse. He's a safety six foot, 205 pounds. Andre Cisco, Let me see your film. Andre Cisco, In 2019, Justin, he played nine games, had 65 tackles, five interceptions. That's pretty good stats. A lot of interceptions. Well, Justin, in his true freshman year, he played 13 games, had 60 tackles. Ooh, less tackles, more games. Oh, no big deal. He led the nation in interceptions as a freshman with seven. Mm. My man gets interceptions. And you want to know why? Because he plays aggressive, and I love guys who play as aggressive. Uh, He loves to move forward, Justin, whether that's playing deep, whether it's playing in the box, or playing at nickel corner. He likes to move forward. He can be a little over-aggressive. Clemson got him with a nice little pump. Uh, You know, Trevor Lawrence did a pump underneath, and then the slot had a go ball that was uh, open for a touchdown because uh, Cisco jumped at it. But I like a guy that's aggressive, and you just got to teach him to rein it in sometimes. Sounds like our quarterback a little bit. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's, like I said, he loves the jump routes. He loves to move forward and he likes to come up and, and make some hits in the hole too. So he's kind of a do it all type of safety kind of reminds me of peppers a little bit with more interceptions
0: right on. Um, he actually is the active FBS leader in interceptions. So you mentioned how he led, I guess, FBS while he was a freshman, but he is the active FBS leader in interceptions this year. So good for Andre Cisco. Let me see your thoughts. All right, go ahead. I, I love when you sing. It really gives me life. Um last on my list, we gotta go defensive line. We gotta go the interior defensive line. I saved him for last because he is he was actually my favorite player, but I also know that Giants fans have PTSD for having too many interior defense alignment on the team. j Tufele. USC defensive lineman 6'3", 305 pounds in 2019 and 13 games. He had 41 total tackles, 21 solo, 5.5 tackles for loss, 3.5 sacks. Jay Tufele is ferocious off the line. He rushes the passer with the purpose, and he's mean while he does it. He makes it a priority to be the man who wins at the point of attack. There are a lot of guys who are finesse guys who will try to run around you, but Tufele won't be doing that. He's going to greet you at your front door whether you like it or not. Even when he's being doubled and he's beaten off the line, the motor on this guy keeps turning. He keeps his legs turning, and he's looking to make a play on the ball. The play that impresses me the most that actually showcases his athleticism is the sack on Justin Herbert this year. He was coming off the left end. The offensive lineman actually made a good block, pushed him to the ground. But Tufele found a way to stumble and collect himself enough to wrap Herbert's ankles and get the sack on the play. He also has an insane swim move. Now... He does an old-school swim move, Bobby, because he actually will bring his arm way above his head and around the lineman's shoulder. I don't think that's how you're taught to do it, and that's not how you're taught to do a swim anymore. You're supposed to keep your swim a little tighter, but it's really fun to watch regardless. Overall, Tufele was probably my favorite guy to watch because he played the hardest, he played with the most cojones, he played with the balls to the wall, and I'm pumped to see how he can raise his stock this year.
1: I like it. I like it. Even though we're not taking a defensive tackle, we better freaking not take a defensive tackle. I like it. So that, that was fun. That was fun. It was fun to do that. Like I said, I'm just going to be in love with uh, Chaz Surratt all year long. Can't wait to watch US, UNC and Miami games. When they play each other, it'll be even that much more fun. So, we love you guys. We appreciate you. We'll be doing offense on Friday show. You know what that means. Jamar Chase, baby. Jamar Chase. Tank for Chase. Um, let's let's do tank for chase all over again i love that guy uh would love <laughs> to get daniel jones to be able to throw to my man jamar chase guy feels like every need at wide receiver you don't even need to, you just don't even just run uh what 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 personnel has one wide receiver 22 yeah 22 we'll run 22 yes. all, all game just one wide receiver two tight ends two running backs so so yeah it's it, it'll be fun or we'll do 13 all right we appreciate you guys We'll see you on Friday. Make sure to tell us what players you like. Leave a review of your scouting report of your favorite defensive Mm. player. I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of Micah Parsons in there. And say something nice about us, too. We love you guys. We'll be back on Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.